Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis. Felt like I was trapped between a rock and a hard place. Then I started Cosentix. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe black psoriasis, 300 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant, with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. You would think that when my own children or good friends have problems and difficulties in life, you would think I would recommend to them my book, Choose Yourself, which describes times when I've had hardships and the ways I used to kind of pick myself out of being broke or sick or depressed or whatever. But that is not the book I give people. I usually give the book The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. And today, The Miracle Morning, updated and expanded edition, the not-so-obvious secret guaranteed to transform your life before 8 a.m. by Hal Elrod. It's the 10th year anniversary. It's an expanded edition. He now includes The Miracle Evening and The Miracle Life and other stuff. It's coming out today. I highly recommend people buy it. I mean, just think, like, imagine you wake up one morning, your lungs collapsed, you have cancer, you're told you're gonna die in two or three weeks. And Hal Elrod had been doing the Miracle Morning for years at this point, and he shows how it applied during a situation like that for himself, or when he was going broke and and losing his house, or when he got into a car accident and was declared dead three times on the way to the hospital or the hundreds of thousands of people who are in his community who have, who have benefited from the ideas in this book and his savers acronym. So we talk about it all and he's one of my favorite people. This isn't your average business podcast and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher show. So Hal, I can't even remember, how did we first meet? Uh, I think we met at a Mastermind Talks, I think. Yeah, one of Jason Gaynor's Mastermind Talks. I believe so, yeah. I feel like most people I know, I met at those Mastermind Talks. <laughs> he <laughs> puts on the yeah. best conference on the planet. And I don't really like, I don't, I don't want to call this a self-help conference, but I don't really yeah. like those types of conferences. And that's not what his conference is, but all yeah. of, like, I met you, I met, Lewis Howes, I met AJ Jacobs, uh, so many people at those conferences. I mean, even though I had met them before, like Ryan Holiday and Tim Ferriss were at those conferences, Ben Greenfield, 
so many so many great and interesting people who have also been podcast guests. This is like your third or fourth time on the podcast. So. Yeah, I, th I think I think second or third. I think yeah, we were trying to figure out if it was the third or the second. We couldn't remember. <laughs> it's at least the third if you came on okay. in 2018 because I I think I had you on like very early because of the Miracle Morning, just the yeah. original Miracle Morning, which came out 10 years ago and is such a great book. Like I felt like we were thinking along similar lines. Like I wrote Choose Yourself around the same mm -hmm. time, but you really turned the Miracle Morning into this valuable community for hundreds of thousands of people who who are accountable for each other. And and look, I give your book to my kids, uh, my spouse, my my friends. Like it's a really like life saving book. And you've had some some pretty intense um, stories to go along with it, which I really appreciate. And then it seems like when you're going through these intense, horrible times, you like many read a lot of different, like, let's say self-help, self-empowerment books, but you really distilled the best things into the what worked for you and in your successful morning routine. And now from this book, which is the 10th year anniversary of the Miracle Morning, the updated and expanded edition, you have the Miracle Evening and the Miracle Life. So it was good yeah. to see your evening routine. I've always wondered about that. Yeah. But um, we'll talk about your savers concept, which is an acronym in a second. But I just, I want to talk first, just real quickly about affirmations and, and visualization. Mm -hmm. Cause it's not yeah. like the secret, right? No, not at all. That, that for me, I think that was always a big, big disconnect is I'm a very results oriented person. You know, my background is in sales. And so when you learn these, you know, almost like woo woo concepts, like just just tell yourself that you're a money magnet and money's going to flow into your life because you make a vision board and put everything right? like that never worked for me, you know? And I'm like, no, no, no. I want, I need these practices to be practical, actionable results oriented. And I think that's the reason the miracle morning has been such a perennial bestseller is because just the way my brain works, it's like, I want to take these esoteric concepts and make them really simple. And I want to take these woo woo practices and make them really practical. And so I think that's what the Miracle Morning did is it, you know, it took affirmations and visualization and actually made them really, really um, practical, actionable, et cetera. But you know, w one thing we've, we've, I don't think we've ever talked about it was your bout with cancer. So mm -hmm. when, I remember this happening on Facebook and, and, you know, every day, everybody was so concerned about you, like thousands of people, but you woke up one day and maybe tell a story. Yeah. Yeah. So 2016, um, I uh, had just moved to Texas from California and uh, woke up one morning or one evening in the middle of the night, struggling to breathe and uh, keep a long story short. Um, turned out my, my, not only was my lung uh, collapsed, but my heart was on the verge of failing and my kidneys were failing. And I was diagnosed with a rare aggressive form of cancer called acute lymphoblastic leukemia. It's a blood cancer that causes your organs to fail. And I was already on death's doorway, if you will. And when I was diagnosed, they gave me the diet or the, uh, the, the survival rate, which was a grim 20 to 30%. So only 20 to 30% of the people diagnosed with this cancer make it. Uh, and that means 70 to 80% die. And, um, the day that I was diagnosed, and you were given I, uh, like three or four weeks or something to live. Yeah, they, the doctor literally said, if you don't start chemotherapy, you have between one and three weeks before your organs will completely shut down. And I didn't want to do chemo because I knew, you know, the harmful effects of chemo, that it's, it's, it's a poison and essentially it's trying to kill the cancer while it kills you. And the hope is that it kills 
the cancer before it kills you and then you can, you know, survive. But I didn't want to do the, you know, the permanent damage. I wanted to, to beat it holistically. And um, I called some of the best holistic doctors in the country and they said, Hal, you know, there's nothing we can do for you. Chemotherapy is the only option that you have to beat this cancer. And and it's not like, the thing about a blood cancer is you kind of need, and I don't quite know how this works, but mm. you kind of need chemo all over your body. Like it's the, really the, the worst kind of cancer you can get. Like it's happening everywhere. Yeah, you, yeah. you can't it's just have surgery. Your and, entire body, yeah. Like you can't just have surgery and remove a lung or a liver. Yeah. I mean, not that that's easy, but yeah. it's all your blood. <laughs> Yeah, well, and and because of, yes, and because this particular cancer is so aggressive, the chemo regimen they hit it with is equally as aggressive. So I ended up doing 650 hours of chemotherapy over seven months, so almost 100 hours oh a month for seven months. And and it, it did almost kill me. Um, the They actually canceled my last chemo treatment because they determined that they didn't think my body would, that I would survive it. Um, but, uh, but, I, but I will tell you this, that the day I was diagnosed with cancer, I decided that there's a 100% chance that I will be among the 20 to 30% of those that survive this. So rather than allowing that global statistic to determine my fate, if you will, I went, no, 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 that, that statistic applies to all people, meaning people with terrible diets, people that, that have a terrible mindset, people that aren't willing to get out of their comfort zone and do whatever it takes to beat their cancer. And for me, I decided I'm not gonna leave my, my fate in the hands of the doctors who have no skin in the game. If I die, that's just a number for them. I'm the only one that I have to take 100% responsibility for my life, and so I committed that okay, if I am going to do this chemotherapy, which I, which I am, or I did, I'm going to also relentlessly research every holistic practice available and implement all of them. And so I did as much, if not more on the holistic side to build up my immune system and detoxify my liver from the chemo and strengthen and heal and all of those things in addition to the chemotherapy. And, and so- this is the question. This is a really critical question. So obviously you survived. Would you say you're healthier than ever? I mean, it's seven years later. Yeah. So it's, I, it's funny. I've been asked that a couple of times in the last few days. I am, my lifestyle is healthier than ever, but the damage the chemo did to my body is it's, you know, it's irreversible. Well, I don't know if it's irreversible, but it feels that way. Like I have, you know, issues with my bones and issues with my liver. And I have it like, there's all these health problems that I shouldn't have at 44 years old, you know? Um, and I had a healthy diet even before the chemo, but no, I'm definitely the healthiest I've ever been in terms of my lifestyle is pretty much impeccable, pretty close to it. And um, yeah, and I still intend on living to be a hundred plus years old alongside my wife and kids, which was part of what I affirmed during the cancer. Well, I, I think you will, given the experiences I read about in this book. But so so in the SAVERS acronym, A is for affirmations, B is for visualization. And I imagine, like you, like you just said, you did some affirmations, you did some visualization, and, and I want to talk a little bit more about that. But yeah. what if you just don't believe it? What if, you, what if you know, like I know 100 people who did affirmations while they had cancer and it didn't work for them. And so I want to believe in these things. And I, and I do believe, like you mentioned in the book, there's this connection between the body and the brain and, and there's a connection yeah. between stress and health and optimism and health. But I'm, I'm, I'm so skeptical. I just, I feel, I feel like they won't work for me. And I try it and I feel like positive thinking doesn't really work for me. Yeah. 
So let me, so I'll share with you, I think the two biggest problems with affirmations, the way that they've been taught by, you know, many well-meaning self-help gurus, if you will, um, is there's two problems. Number one is we're taught to lie to ourselves and tell ourselves something that we wish were true, but we don't, it's not actually true. So for example, if you're struggling financially, you might be told, well, just write an affirmation that says, I am wealthy. You know, I am wealthy. But the problem is that if you do not believe you are wealthy, right, to your point, I just don't believe it's working for me, Adam, then if you say I am wealthy, but you're actually struggling financially, then you're creating an internal conflict that's unhealthy, right? It's like, I am wealthy. And then your subconscious goes, no, you're not, you're broke. And you're going, no, stop it, self. I'm doing my affirmations, right? So there's this internal struggle. The second problem with affirmations, the way they've been taught is we've been taught to use this flowery, passive language that produces an almost magical result independent of any effort. And I joked about it earlier. There's a popular affirmation that goes something like this. I am a money magnet. Money flows to me effortlessly and in abundance. And that's actually a popular affirmation for whatever reason. I think my, my theory as to why people like that is because if you're struggling financially and your finances are a major source of stress for you, and you look at your bank balance in the morning, you're like, oh God, I'm overdrawn. I need to do my affirmations. And then you go, I am a money magnet. You go, God, that feels a lot better than my reality. And then you go, money's gonna flow into my life effortlessly and in abundance. You go, oh, that's so much better than my reality. So we delude ourselves into this, again, it's not reality, it's just, but it feels better than the reality. So for me, affirmations and visualization, which we'll get to in a minute, um, they've gotta be rooted in truth, They've got to be practical, results-oriented, actionable. Like, I, I'm a very, like, like you, I think, James, I'm a very logical person, right? And so I don't want affirmations that just, that sound good or make me feel better in the short term. I want affirmations that realign my conscious thought and my behavior while reprogramming my subconscious mind to develop and sustain the beliefs that I need that will that will keep me on the right track. So here are three steps. These are the three steps that I teach in the book to create practical, actionable, results-oriented affirmations. Step one, affirm what you're committed to, right? In life, don't say I am wealthy if you're not wealthy. Say I'm committed to becoming wealthy. I'm committed to exercising 30 minutes a day, five days a week. I'm committed to losing 10 pounds. Like whatever you're fully committed to, that's the only way you get what you want in your life is based on that unwavering commitment. Step two, affirm why it's a must for you. So what are the reasons that are so meaningful for you that you're willing to do whatever it takes? I'll give you a real life example during the cancer journey. Step one, what are you committed to? I wrote down and I read this every day, James, I am committed to beating cancer and living to be 100 plus years old alongside Ursula and the kids, no matter what, there is no other option. And when I first got diagnosed with cancer, I was terrified, right? I mean, the, the odds were, you know, I was going to die and I was already, I was already halfway there, right? My organs were already shutting down. And I figured, you know, even if, what if I do everything right? and I still die. You know, Wayne Dyer, someone who I aspire to be like in many ways, he got leukemia. I would consider him to be as evolved, if not, I mean, or far more evolved than I am. And um, he died. 
So I thought, oh my God, what if he did everything that he knew and he still died and what if I die? So, but I realized that fear is not serving me. And you can apply that to every area of your life, your fear of the economy right now and that, you know, what's happening and where your business is going. Fear does not serve us to live in that state of fear. So I realized I need to override that fear with faith. And so whenever I felt afraid, I would pull out my affirmations, and this was every day during my miracle morning, but then throughout the day, before bed, you name it, and I would pull them out, James, and here's the point. You mentioned, like, I don't believe they're going to work for me. Well, I didn't know for, you know, I had a lack of belief that I was going to be able to beat the cancer, so I read the affirmations with such conviction. I am committed to beating cancer and living to be 100 plus years old alongside Ursula and the kids. No matter what, there is no other option. And I would read it again, and I would read it again, and I would read it again. Out loud. And after, out loud, and out, and with energy, and in like, I would embody that affirmation so it became my reality, and that's what happened. After a few weeks of this, the fear literally disappeared. It, I, I replaced it with this unwavering commitment and conviction to beat cancer. And literally, I like, I forgot that I had been afraid because this became my new reality. And that you could, that's how you can use affirmations to reprogram your subconscious mind to be in alignment with what you're committed to. So, so let me ask, during this period, were there any setbacks? Like in the sense that they said to you, hey, it looks like it got a little bit worse. Like, was there anything to make you waver in your belief? Totally. Um, it, it, and what it was, was, well, there were multiple times where I got so sick. You know, chemotherapy destroys your immune system. It kills your red blood cells, I believe it is, uh, which is your which is what stages an immune response when you have an infection. So when you are on chemo, you have zero immune system, literally. And so if you get an infection, your body cannot fight it like it normally would, like a normal person. So it can only be fought arbitrary or um, synthetically with with uh, antibiotics. And so your your body, it's like this battleground now where it's like there's an infection, you can't fight, so then they the doctors throw antibiotics in, right? Which makes you even sicker and hurts you even more. So there were many nights where I was, you know, I had a 104 degree fever. I was, my dad was rushing me to the ER. I was sick as a dog, you know, and, and at this point, my body went from 167 pounds to 125 pounds. I lost 40 pounds in three weeks. So I looked like I was on death's doorway, and I was on death's doorway. And there were so many times where I felt so sick, which, you know, you know how when you feel sick, like even with the flu, your mental, you know, it really messes with your mindset. So, so to be as sick as I was for as long as I was and looking the way that I did, it was a constant struggle to maintain an optimal mindset. And I'll tell you this, and I think this is really, really important. That to me is the ultimate benefit of the miracle morning is that whatever your number one or, you know, number two, three, and four, but, but let's just say your top goals, the most important outcomes that you have in your life, the six practices of the miracle morning, those are the six most timeless proven personal development practices in history. And when you 
Any one of those can change or save your life. But when you focus your goal, like for me, it was beat cancer. At that time, that's all that mattered. I, I had no financial goals. I, I had no, I didn't have a marriage goal. Like I just, it didn't matter. If I didn't beat cancer, nothing else mattered. So I focused my savers. All six of the Miracle Morning practices were focused on beating cancer. I meditated in a state of healing every day. I followed this affirmations formula to beat cancer every day. I visualized being healthy every day. I exercised every day. I read books on natural ways of beating cancer every day. I journaled every, right? So all six practices. And to me, it, it accelerates and it amplifies your ability to achieve whatever it is that your outcome is. And so, yes, I was scared. Yes, I was sick. Yes, there were many setbacks along the way. But still, even when it felt like you were taking a dip in the wrong direction or you had 104 fever, you used the word faith. Like you, you There's this one sentence in the book of Job that I really mm. like, which is somebody tells him to take his thoughts into captivity. And it's sort of like when your things are bad, you have to you have to, don't let your thoughts run wild, make, you know, take them into captivity so you could recognize what's, what's happening and, and change them. And that's yeah. essentially what you did. Yeah. I'm reading a book right now by uh, John Gordon, the one truth. And it's a really, it was such a really, it was a great distinction. I forgot it was, I forgot who he said he learned this from, but he said it was the best advice he ever got. And the guy said, I don't listen to my thoughts. Right. He said, I don't listen to myself. I talk to myself. He said, when I listen to myself, I listen to fears, I listen to doubts, I listen to insecurities, I listen to excuses. When I talk to myself, I tell myself exactly what I need to hear to move forward and achieve everything that I want in my life. But, it, it, but it's like a muscle, like you have to practice mm -hmm. it. Like you have to do the miracle morning every day. Like when I look at the testimonials and also your story, uh, it's people are doing these six practices every day and then they see results. It, it's like we were, we were talking before the podcast about stand-up comedy. Sometimes yeah. people do it once and say, oh, I've done stand-up comedy. <laughs> no, you have to do it every day for years and then you start to get better at it. But it's the same thing with this idea of taking thoughts into captivity or you know, with these belief and affirmations and visualization and all that, you have to kind of really discipline your mind. It's very easy to do the self-talk like, oh my God, 104 fever. I wish I were dead right now, or this is yep. it. You know, it's probably really easy to, to slip into that. Well, and that's why affirmations are my favorite of the savers of the six practices of the miracle morning. Affirmations are my favorite because it's, it's, you know, it's the whole talking to yourself. It's, I get to design the precise language that serves my highest good. And once it's in writing, then all the negative thoughts, all the fear, all the self-doubt I can transcend all of that by pulling my affirmations, you know, picking up that piece of paper that I printed out, right? Or looking on my phone, wherever the affirmations are, I like them printed in my hand. Um, but those affirmations, they keep me on course. They reset and redirect my mindset to be optimal in the midst of, you know, the fears and the insecurities and all those things. And so that to me, being able to design the precise language and then, you know, I edit them, I evolve over time, as you learn, grow, and evolve, your affirmation should also evolve with you. So I'm always updating my affirmations to be in alignment with, with what's next.
I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, I could be making money on that right now by hosting and, and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e- it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I remember last year I was asked to go speak at the Norway Business Summit, and I was so excited because side by side with the Business Summit was the Norway Chess Summit, where I would get to see in person Magnus Carlsen, the best chess player ever, playing chess. But it was four plane rides, like to get to the city that ultimately I would go to. So I really did not want to fly for 14 hours, and they they were willing to pay for everything for me. So. I, I, at first class. So I didn't want to fly for 14 hours and not be first class. So I had to hurry up and get on the phone immediately to get those first class tickets to a chess tournament in Norway. And listen, this is just like when, you know, you have to know when you want the best of anything, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. And I did not want those seats to fill up. So it's like, if you're hiring for your business, You want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. I was just talking to a friend this morning where he was trying to decide between some programmers and he waited a little too long and both the programmers he was interviewing took other jobs, like great jobs. So, you know, what's the best way then to hire the best as quickly as possible? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Just try it and see. You'll you'll find out. So ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify the top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I know this because one time I signed up as an employee, potential employee on ZipRecruiter. And... I got nonstop, really, I was, even though obviously I wasn't looking for a job, I love what I do, but I just wanted to see what would happen because they were a, a, a sponsor of my podcast and the most interesting jobs would pop up in my emails like, hey, you're qualified for this or that. And so it's interesting to see. So just just go there and try it. Try ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Amp up your hiring performance. Now, this is more for if you're hiring, but amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash 
James. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So like I've written many times about this concept of how I write 10 ideas a day. So every day I'll mm-hmm. write down 10 ideas. And when I first was 20, over 20 years ago, or about 20 years ago when I was totally broke and, and financially struggling, I would write 10 ideas, basically how to make money. Here's 10 books I could write. Here's 10 articles I could write. Here's 10 businesses I could start here. If I like one of those business ideas, here's 10 next steps for those businesses. And it reminds me a little of the affirmations in this one way, it's like the, it's like that thing called the, the Honda effect. Like once you buy a Honda, you see every other Honda on the road. Previously, (laughs) you never saw any Hondas, but once you buy a Honda, it seems like you're seeing 20 Hondas an hour on the road. And so I'm wondering if like, when you make an affirmation, you start to notice more of the things in your life that could help you and that are benefiting you as opposed to the things that are hurting you. Like with the ideas, once I wrote 10 ideas down, I started note everything around me seemed like, oh, that's just like this idea I just wrote down. There's proof that I could do this or whatever. So I started noticing things yep. more that would help me move forward. Yeah, no, that, that's completely true. And, I'll, and I'll, I'll give you an example of how that shows up for me. Um, my affirmations, right, they're like an anchor. You know, they're like an anchor. You always come back to this precise language that serves your highest good. So when I'm reading books very, very often, um, I'll read a book and I'll read a quote, you know, like there'll be a line in a book or even a, even a few sentences and I'll go, oh my gosh, it's, that's very much in alignment with what I need to be affirming every day. And so I will go to my affirmations on Microsoft Word and I will type in that exact quote from that author into the proper you know, part of the affirmations where it, it, it is definitely in alignment. So yeah, it's a really good point, that Honda effect of, yeah, once you have your affirmations in place, then you start to notice what is other, what are other ideas or concepts or beliefs that are in alignment with what I'm affirming that even, that improve or, or enhance my current affirmations? Yeah, because like, let's say you make this affirmation and you're very firm and you're loud and you say it out loud. By the way, there's a lot of research that says when you say things out loud like that, it has more of an effect on your mind and body and so on. Uh, AJ Jacobs actually researched that. Mm. And uh, when you do this, you're, no, you're probably noticing throughout the day, oh yes, this will help me achieve my affirmation, but this won't. And so you're, it's probably easier for you to have the Honda effect regarding the activities during the day that are actually helping you. Yeah, well, that's the thing, is you mentioned doing this every day, right? It, it, it's very much like, like, like exercising. You know, if you yeah. work out one time, it's not, go, you know, it, it, you're going to have very minimal benefit, right? If you read an well, affirmation one time. You could tell, like, I'm... Um, <laughs> I'm jacked, but that's you're jacked besides. from that I, one workout blunt. you did three yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah, um, during but, COVID. Yeah, during COVID. No, but but the, but the, but the affirmations when you read them every day, it literally you're reprogramming your mindset, you're reprogramming your subconscious mind and your conscious thoughts, and so that's what I mentioned with the cancer example. Is I was I went from being afraid that I might die, that I could die. What if? What if? What if? That I I completely moved like pushed that that fear out because the affirmations became my reality because I read them every single day. That became my internal dialogue. Well, I'm glad you got through that incident. I'm really sorry you had to go through it. I mean, it was just, it was shocking even just reading about it because you were, you were obviously were posting your story online. And so, so, you know, you mentioned with 
You had this story in the book uh, about Roger Bannister, who's the guy, first guy to succeed with the four minute mile. He, he ran, he ran a mile faster than four minutes. He broke a world record. And, and since then everybody's done it, but like he somehow broke this mental barrier that, uh, people thought that was like a, a, a floor you couldn't break through. Yeah. And, uh, and you mentioned how he visualized, he would visualize every day the, the process of becoming the t sort of person who can run a four minute mile. And I think, I think that's part of it too. Like you can't just visualize, you know, a bag of money arriving yeah. from UPS. Yeah. You have to sort of visualize, it's like you called it rehearsal almost. You have to visualize you specifically becoming the person who can survive cancer or run a four minute mile or make money after going broke. Like you, you, you can't, it's not, it's not a hope or a wish. It's, it's a strategy really. Yeah. Uh, and am I interpreting it correctly? Like that's how I interpret it. Yeah. You know, visualization, it's similar to affirmations in the way that the way we've been taught it, I think is counterproductive. So we've been taught to, you know, make a vision board. Um, it, which really is just a, you know, visualize the end result. And that's important, but it's only half the equation, if you will. And to me, it's the less important half. And what I mean by that is, so step one, visualize your ideal outcome, right? Yes, see it, you know, feel it, because that does generate emotions that will pull you toward it or push you toward it. Like when I was training for an ultra marathon, I hated running, but I would visualize crossing the finish line every day. And that compelled me to want to make that experience a reality. The problem is if you if that's all you do is all you do is you know visualize the end goal. Um, you can actually trick yourself into thinking that it's a foregone conclusion, independent of any effort on your part, right? So, for example, somebody I think visualizes. That's the problem. Yeah, that is the problem, and um, and then the vision board is even more passive. Like that's just like making a board, putting it on the wall, and being like, "All right, well, the secret told me that all those things were going to come true." Um, the second step in visualization to me is the most important. And it's, and you mentioned it earlier, mental rehearsal. And if you think about the world's greatest athletes, Roger Bannister being one of them, they swear by visualization. But this second step is the piece that I think goes untaught in the self-help world. And it's the most important part. It's mentally rehearsing yourself doing the thing you need to do today taking the action today that will move you in the direction of your long-term vision. That word today is the key mm. because he can't just sort of visualize himself running past the finish line and then looking at his watch. Oh, it's three minutes, 56 seconds. He has to visualize what is he going to do today again to become the yep. sort of person who could, I think that's the key. I can't just visualize, oh, it feels so good putting this check in the bank. Yep. I've got to visualize what am I going to do today to move myself closer to that. And it's, 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 it's visualizing what you're going to do today, mentally rehearsing it while putting yourself in a peak physical or uh, sorry, mental and emotional state. So um, again, world's greatest athletes, they mentally rehearse themselves going through the motions, being on the court, performing at their best, responding to adversity, et cetera. And, and then how am I going to respond if this happens in the game? How am I going to respond if there's 10 seconds left and we're down by two? How am I going to, how am I going to swing the club on this? Right. Tiger Woods would say he would go, he would mentally rehearse golfing the entire 18 holes or whatever course he was going to. And so as if you bring that away from athletics, because most of us aren't professional athletes, um, and you just imagine visualizing yourself doing the thing that you need to do, whether it's you know, playing with your kids today, or it's um, getting on the phone and making cold calls. Visualize yourself doing the activity and then 
put yourself in a peak mental and emotional state so that you're excited. And you, I can use affirmations sometimes to go, I'm gonna do this, it's gonna be awesome. I'm gonna go for this run today. I don't like running, but that doesn't matter because by running today, I'm becoming stronger and faster. And it's great. Right, you get yourself really, I mean, almost pumped up in a positive way yeah. while you see yourself doing the thing. And that way, when it's time to do the thing, you're ready to go. Yeah, and you know, the reason I asked about how did you how did you do this when those inevitable days and I pick obviously do this every day obviously you've had lots of problems in your life like anybody but you know this cancer was life threatening and so I I'll I'll bring it back to that again for a second but you know Mike Tyson says everybody's got a plan <laughs> until they're hit hit in the face, in the face and yeah. so do you rehearse what you're gonna do on the moments when you have that inevitable you're hit in the face like you you have in this case you know, your fever spikes and it looks dangerous and the doctors are, think this is it. Like, do you rehearse in your mind what we're going to do when things go negative or do you only stick to positive? Yeah, not so much. I mean, I think that that depends on the context. Like again, if you're, you know, if you're, I'm a, I'm a fan of mixed martial arts. And so I've, I've seen, I've heard a lot of mixed martial arts fighters will say that they will, um, mentally rehearse, like if things aren't going well, how are they going to respond? For me, typically, I'm mentally rehearsing doing the thing I need to do to take one step closer to my goal. So for example, when I was training for that ultra marathon, I would visualize the alarm on my phone going off at 7 a.m. So I would literally be sitting there doing a miracle morning on my couch in front of my coffee table where my phone was sitting. I would close my eyes and I would imagine the phone right in front of me. I'd imagine it beeping at 7 a.m. I would hear it, I would see it. And then I would visualize myself picking the phone up, turning off the alarm, going into my bedroom, and then getting dressed in my running clothes. It was like a little like a little two-minute movie I would see in my mind. Then I would head out my front walk, and I can still see it, by the way. I visualized this for six months. I can still see the visualization over and over and over. I'd then walk through my living room, put my hand on the front door, open the front door. I would see the sidewalk where I was gonna run. And then I would bring out my affirmations. I'm committed to completing a 52-mile ultra marathon because um, no matter what, there is no other option. Step two, why is it a must for me? I'm committed because it's enabling me to become the person that I need to be to overcome any obstacle and create any result that I want in my life. Step three, which we didn't get to earlier, um, which specific actions will you take and win? In order to do this, I will follow the training plan in the book, the non-runners marathon trainer to a T five days a week, no matter what. So I would, be, I would be there visualizing and affirming as I pictured the pavement and I would get myself excited to go for that run while I was sitting on my couch. And then here's what happened. When the alarm went off on my phone at 7 a.m. in real time, human nature would be, oh, God, I hate running. I don't, I, I'll just do it tomorrow, right? And how often do we do that? We put off the thing we know we should do because eh, I could skip a day. And But here's the thing, James, I didn't mentally rehearse procrastinating. I didn't visualize not running. So it's almost as if the visualization is programming you. I became like a robot. When the alarm went off, I turned it off, stood up, went into my bedroom, got dressed in my running clothes, went out my living room, opened the front door. I was flooded with the affirmations and the emotions that I created during my visualization that morning. Again, this is real time now. And then I was excited to go for that run because I generated those positive emotions and that excitement when I visualized during the morning. And you can apply this in your of your life when I'm on the weekends, when my kids are gonna be coming out. 
I will visualize my kids walking out of their bedroom. I did this more when they were little. It's not, I don't do it quite as much anymore. I probably should, but I'll use it with my wife as well. But I'll visualize them coming out and I'll visualize how I'm going to respond, how I'm gonna interact and engage. Because I noticed in the past, I'd be like, oh man, they're out here, crap. I still wanted to keep doing my miracle morning, right? That doesn't serve my kids. So I'd mentally rehearse as soon as I saw them, how was I gonna feel? What was I gonna say? How was I gonna interact with them? I'd mentally rehearse that on a Saturday morning. And then when they came out, I was ready to go. And I, by default, like a robot, you know, without the negative connotation, I was like, hey guys, like what's up? You know, it's whatever I rehearsed that morning. And so you can apply this to your business goals, to engaging with your spouse, to your fitness goals, any area of your life, whatever you need to do today to achieve that long-term vision, mentally rehearse it. And it only takes a few minutes. Like that's it. It's really simple. And and you started doing all this um, or thinking about this way back, you were like 20 years old and you had this car accident where you were essentially dead. Were you, were you officially dead or like what happened? Yeah, so I, yeah, I was hit head on by a drunk driver at 70 miles an hour. Um, I was then broadsided by a second vehicle, an innocent family uh, behind me. I spun in front of them and they hit me in the door, my driver's side door at 70 miles an hour. And I broke 11 bones instantaneously. Uh, and I started losing a lot of blood and it took the paramedics and the, or the fire department, they had to use the jaws of life to tear the roof off of the car. And it took them 50 minutes from the time the accident happened. So almost an hour that I was sitting in that car trapped and losing blood. And I eventually, when they pulled me out of the car, I lost so much blood that I was dead. I died. Uh, my heart stopped beating. I stopped breathing and I was clinically dead for approximately six minutes while they loaded me onto a helicopter and they uh, revived me and thankfully they were able to get me my heart beating again after six minutes. They sent me to the, uh, I airlifted they get me you to the breathing? hospital. How'd they get um, you breathing again? They, uh, I mean, they just used the, you know, so they hooked me up to an IV to get blood back in my body. And then they, and they put oxygen on my face and they used the defibrillators to shock me back to life. I spent six days in a coma. Uh, I flatlined twice more. So I was very, it was very critical condition. I, I, I technically died three times. Once was extended for six minutes and then I flatlined twice more in the hospital. And then I came out of the coma six days later and the doctor said I had permanent brain damage and that I would never walk again. And so when I woke up, that was the reality I faced is I have 11 broken bones, permanent brain damage, and the doctors are saying that I'm probably uh, never going to walk again. And, and, you know, so obviously when he says this, this is a doctor in a professional setting. Mm. At that moment, you couldn't walk. At that moment, maybe you felt a little foggy. I don't know what you felt in your brain. Very foggy, but, yeah. But you you probably believed him and it probably depressed you. Um, no. <laughs> well, interestingly enough, um, I mean, I for sure was kind of like the cancer diagnosis. You know, initially I was like, Oh my, you know, I was like, my, 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 it was hard to even comprehend that this was not a dream or a nightmare, right? I'm like, wait, you know, I'm 20 years old. I'm never going to walk again. I'll be in a wheelchair the rest of my life. But after a few days of processing it, I decided I can't change that I was in a car accident. I can't change that I broke 11 bones. Um, I may or may not be able to walk again. That, that is, un, to me, it was undecided. And I decided I'm going to accept the worst case scenario. If I never walk again, I've, I decided I'll be the happiest, most grateful person that you've ever seen in a wheelchair because I'm in a wheelchair either way. So I will never let the unchangeable circumstances in my life determine the changeable mindset that I get to choose. Gosh, it's, it's so hard mm. to think that way though. You know, it's so hard to, to practice. 
Well, I'll tell you, and I know we've talked about this, I'm sure at some point in our conversations, but the, the reason I was able to get there is I learned something in my Cutco sales training a year and a half prior called the five minute rule. And the five minute rule simply stated that when something goes wrong, it's okay to be negative and feel sorry for yourself, but not for more than five minutes. And I was literally taught by my manager, my mentor, Jesse. He said, when, you know, and now to be fair, the context was much milder than this car accident, right? It was like, you know, customers being rude to you or canceling an order, but still it was things that upset you mentally and emotionally. And he taught us set your timer for five minutes and you get five minutes to bitch, moan, complain, cry, vent, like feel sorry for yourself. But when the timer goes off, he taught us to say three very powerful words. Can't change it. And it's a simple acknowledgement. This applies to every aspect of life. When something happens that upsets you, whether it's waking up from a coma and being told you're never gonna walk again, whether it's hitting traffic when you don't wanna be late, whether it's going bankrupt, losing, and I've I've applied this to cancer, I've applied this to every aspect of my life. It's the idea that when something happens and you can't change it, you have one of two choices. Number one, you can continue to wish it were different, wish it didn't happen, resist reality. But what you understand, what you find is that that's actually the, the cause of emotional pain is resisting reality and wishing you could change something that is unchangeable. And if it's already happened, it's unchangeable. It's five minutes ago. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis. Felt like I was trapped between a rock and a hard place. Then I started Cosentix. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe black psoriasis, 300 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Let's say you have an incident where your boss treats you horribly, and you start to think like, oh, how could he or she do that to me? Like I did this, this, this. You start to really dwell on it. Yep. And it's not like he's gonna, that's that's who this boss is. Like, yep. it's not like they're gonna change their behavior. And if you try talking to him or her, it still won't change their behavior. Well, do you know well, good. And you think, well, I should quit. If you, it, you know, if you can't change it, you maybe you should quit the job. But let's say you can't for whatever reason, like you, you need to pay your mortgage. There's no other jobs in the area, whatever it is. Yeah. So here's what I would say is that you, the five minute rule, you know, and the time frame is arbitrary, right? Five minutes. If you, sure. if you lose, if you lose your a loved one, right? I don't expect you to, you know, it, it's healthy to grieve for a lot longer yeah. than five minutes. The, but here's the, the point is this, it's the understanding that every painful emotion that we have ever experienced in our lives has been self-created by, as I mentioned, the resistance to reality. And, and here's how you know that's true. If 
Imagine the exact same thing happens to two different people. Okay, same exact experience, and we can use the boss as the example, right? The boss, you know, so this two people have this boss, and he treats both of them terribly, right? Person number one goes, oh, they're resisting reality. They go, gosh, this boss is such a jerk. I wish he were different. I wish he didn't treat me the way that he does. It's so unfair the way he treats me, right? They're resisting reality. Like, look, you wishing he didn't treat you doesn't change the way he treats you. Mm -hmm. It just causes you to be frustrated and angry and upset. Now, person number two, right? Maybe they're totally calm. And the person number one's going, aren't you mad? He's such a jerk to us. And they go, yeah, but we can't change him. So what's the point in allowing him to determine how we feel? That seems like a waste of energy. I'm going to choose to be at peace with what I can't change, which is my boss, so that I can enjoy this one life that I've been blessed to live, you know? And look, until I can find another job, I got to deal with him. I'm not going to, it's hard. It's bad enough to listen to him. But if I allow listening to him make me feel horrible inside that that's yes, giving him point. all my power and i'm not willing to do that uh, this this is really great how this is i really like this philosophy and i've you know this this applies to all six practices in the savers routine but i really have these questions about affirmations and visualization but the the first s is is about silence every morning you, you wake up and find at, le at least 10 minutes to be silent, whether it's meditation or prayer or just silence, but no phones, no nothing. And yeah, and look, real quick, I wanna just correct you on one piece there, which is you said at least 10 minutes. And I wanna, this is a really important thing that I've learned over the years teaching the Miracle Morning is I, my very first Miracle Morning was 60 minutes. And for a long time, I would talk about the Miracle Morning only the way that I did it. And I have a good friend, Brianna Greenspan. She's actually now the director of education for the Miracle Morning. She's brought it to hundreds of schools, uh, mostly in uh, New York City. I, I feel like I've seen her name. Maybe you've met your... you've met Brianna. You guys are both in the Miracle Morning movie, actually. Um, but uh, but Brianna is the one that pointed out to me that um, she's like, Hal, you need to like you need to explain to people that they don't have to be like you. They don't have to do your Miracle Morning. So there's a chapter in the new edition of the book. It's called the, the Six Minute Miracle Morning. And it literally teaches you how to do all six of the savers, the entire Miracle Morning in a total of six minutes. So you can do one minute of silence and just say a quick prayer or meditate or calm your nervous system, one minute of affirmations and so on through the rest of the savers. You're, you're right. You know, I read that in the book, the one minute idea. And I was thinking more of like when you first started doing it, you set aside 10 minutes, 60 yeah. minutes for a 10 minutes for each one. So sorry for the confusion. No, there. no problem. But, but so there's the, the silence, there's the affirmations, there's the visualization, exercise, reading, scribing. Yeah. And I think, I think this silence makes a lot of sense. I think the reason I had the questions on the affirmations and the visualizations is that that's what personally I grapple with. Like, Obviously, some some moments of just like free time where you don't have your book or you're not immersed in like responding to stuff is is great. So that's the silence. Uh, the exercise is sort of obvious, and and it's striking how many people don't do it. And even though there's uh, clear benefits to to health, uh, reading is a practice I've always done. I could tell you've you read enormously because again, you've probably read every self help book on the planet to kind of really take all the ideas into your mental laboratory and, and distill them down into the miracle morning. What's your, what, who do you think are like the most legit self-help writers in history, really? 
Mm, in history, that, that's a, that's a, that's a big that's a broad. Which means really like the past hundred years. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, uh, for sure, James Clear with Atomic Habits. I mean, that that book yeah. has become a, an anomaly in terms of just the impact that it's made for people. And James has such a, a great way of communicating. Actually, I'll tell you, I don't know if you know about this book. It comes out tomorrow, but this is quickly becoming one of my favorite books of all time. Arate, are you familiar with this? No. You should go pre-order it today, James. Um, wow. Uh, Brian Johnson, it's 1,001 pages long. It's 451 mini chapters. And he I, is- I love how he calls it volume one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, in he, this historical context. It's brilliant. I mean, it's it, it, he's amazing. So that is, this is one of my favorite books. I mean, I'm, I'm only a little bit into the 1,001 pages, but it is phenomenal. And it's 451 chapters long. So oh there's gosh. 451 mini chapters and there's actually a miracle morning chapter in here, which is kind of cool. Um, but, uh, but that's one of my favorites. Um, some of my favorite authors, Michael Singer, who wrote The oh. Untethered Soul, The yeah, Surrender he's been Experiment. Yeah, on my podcast. Oh, has he really? Yeah, I, I've stayed in his compound where, you know, I-, I You went I, out I there like and, and meditated with him? Yeah. That is great. cool. That's, that, that's a bucket list item for me. I'm Michael Singer, big fan of Michael Singer. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, Think and Grow Rich. Um, I mean, God, there's so many good authors and I always draw a blank when I get asked who are my favorites. <laughs> what, what do you, I, I asked this to Oliver Berkman who wrote The Antidote, which is kind of like an anti-self-help book. Like mm. he's just critical of the whole industry. Um, but I asked him, is he, cause he met Eckhart Tolle or mm. Tolle, however Tolle. he's saying, mm. And I said, is, is he the real deal? And Oliver Berkman thought he was like the one guy he met who was the, the real deal. Mm. Like he really like lives in the now. And he's very similar to Michael Singer in terms of philosophy. Totally, totally. Um, the, you know, I think that, that, that for, at least for me personally, um, I, I've done the Miracle Morning. Every, I'd say I average more than six days a week because the only time I don't do it is if I'm up late for some reason, like for a date night or a concert or something like that. But I, I estimate I've done over 4,500 Miracle Mornings over the last 15 years. It's something that I do every single day. And I do think that that is important as an author or as a teacher. Um, you know, it's one thing just to teach something, right? Because you get it or you understand it, but it's another thing to actually live it so that you, I think that's a big reason that I wrote the updated and expanded edition, or I don't think, I know, but is that I've been doing the Miracle Morning for 15 years. Well, when I first wrote the Miracle Morning, I had been doing the Miracle Morning for like six months. So I was still pretty new to each of the savers. And I was writing from a place of like, you know, hey, here's a really simple way to do meditation, even if you've never meditated before. I think that's why the book, one of the reasons it stuck is because I was really bringing people in that weren't, were only a step behind me, right? Like, hey, you know, I wasn't some advanced practitioner because I yeah. think once you've been doing something for so long, you often lose sight of the beginner's mindset. And so now 15 years later, it was like, I have evolved, my practices have evolved so much over the last 15 years that the update and expanded edition was I wanted to, you know, hey, if you're brand new, here's where you start, but I want to show you what this looks like, how you can evolve to more advanced. You know, I teach this thing called emotional optimization meditation. It's my favorite form of meditation. And it's rather than just following your breath, you're actually identifying what is the optimal mental and emotional state that would serve my highest good today. And then I walk you through how to get into that state and then meditate in that state. So whether it's joy and happiness or confidence or playfulness or forgiveness or focus, whatever it is, you are hardwiring your optimal mental and emotional states every single morning. So that, you know, you talked about who you become. It's you're literally becoming the person that can maintain those optimal states throughout the day. 
Yeah, that's great. And that's so important to do during the ebbs and cycles of a day where we, you know, crash and, and lift ourselves up and then crash again. And it, it's so good to, to practice that in the morning to, to start the day going. And, uh, uh, you know, you, you talk about the 2008 to 2010 period where obviously it was the financial crisis. Mm. Your, your business was having problems. You were having problems, uh, making your bills. You were losing your house. I've, i I've certainly had scenarios like this and it was affecting your relationship too with, with your wife, Ursula, who has yeah. stood by you through so many things. So like, many things. <laughs> yeah. And how did you, how did you use techniques to kind of lift yourself up during that time? Again, I'm focusing on these moments when, you know, you're hit in the face when it's yeah. really hard to, you, you could, you could preach all you want, but it, 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 not you specifically, but yeah, you know, it's just hard to follow these ideas that are so uplifting when you just don't feel uplifted at all. You don't have the energy at that moment. Yeah, yeah. When I and I think that's when they are the most important, right? I mean, that that's when we need them the most. Well, so two thousand eight, the financial cry, crash. That's that is why I created the Miracle Morning. Um, I was like you know millions of Americans. I was uh, I lost over half of my income. Right, my business was failing. I was deep in debt. Uh, my house, my first house that I had ever purchased a year and a half prior was now being foreclosed on and taken back by the bank. Um, and as you mentioned, I was, so I was a mess. I was, I was depressed. I was scared. I didn't know what to do. And I felt out of control. And can I ask, can I ask, Yeah, were you afraid Ursula was going to leave you because you were losing the house? Mm, I, honestly, I do not remember. Um, I don't remember if I was afraid. She, yeah, I honestly don't remember if I was afraid. I mean, she, I do know, I mean, she was there for me, you know? So I think that, I think that loyalty is her, one of her top values. And so I think that I didn't know, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure it crossed my mind and I was nervous about it, but overall, I mean, she was very, um, you know, she would assure me and in, in, in this and that I'm not going anywhere. And, um, but, but our, That's our, good. Uh, but I, here's the thing. She married this happy, fun, loving, you know, I'm one of the most energetic, positive people you'd ever meet. And then I was like this scared, depressed shell of a man, if you will. Um, and she was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know. I, I don't know how to help you. I can't help you. And she actually encouraged me to talk to one of my good friends, John Berghoff, because he's very smart. And uh, she said, why don't you call John and ask him for advice? And I called John and he ended up recommending this Jim Rohn audio. And I listened to the Jim Rohn audio and I heard a quote and the quote, I'll share it right now. This quote literally was the catalyst for me to create the miracle morning. Jim Rohn said, your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development because success is something you attract by the person you become. I love that. And when I heard that, I quantified it immediately. That's how my brain works. I'm, you know, I'm a numbers guy, quantified it. And I went, okay, wait a minute. If, if our, my level of success is not going to exceed my level of personal development, then the, there, there's two questions there. Number one, what level of success do I want? On a scale of one to 10, level 10. I, I don't know anyone that wants a lesser level. You know, I don't want to be too happy or too successful or have, you know, no. We all have an innate drive and desire to achieve this level 10 success in our lives. But then the second question, and this is the gut check, I went, okay, well, if my level of success is not going to exceed my level of personal development, what's my level of personal development? And at that time in my life, I was like, it's a two, like maybe a three or four on a good day. And let me define that. To me, personal development is what is your daily personal development ritual that's enabling you to become 
a better version of yourself in moving toward that level 10 version of you where you are you have the, the the best mindset you could possibly have and the skills and the habits and the knowledge that enable you to achieve everything you want for your life. And so to me, that's the disconnect for most of us. I want level 10 success, but my level of personal development, my routine every day is like a two or a three. And so the epiphany for me, James, was I need to go, I need to figure out what the world's most successful people do for personal development. And I need to create the ultimate level 10 personal development ritual so that I can become the level 10 version of myself who's capable of creating and sustaining the success that I want. And that's where I went online. I researched these six practices, what I came up with. I woke up the next morning. I did all six pretty poorly. I, I didn't know how to meditate. They were all new to me. But even doing them poorly after one hour, I went, wow, this is it. If I start every day like this, with this much clarity and energy and motivation and gaining knowledge, it's only a matter of time before I become the person that I need to be that can turn my life around. And to be honest, I was thinking it would be one year. Like I just, in my mind, I'm like, I'll give myself a year to turn this around in less than two months. Now, now James, keep in mind, this was at the height of the great recession. The economy continued to get worse. I doubled my income in less than two months because of the miracle morning. And I went to my wife and I said, sweetheart. And is that because you yeah. had uh, more energy? So you were making more calls and networking more and meeting more people for lunch, dinner, whatever? So it, 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 it's, it's honestly the sequence of all of the practices. So let, let's start with reading, okay? I ordered a book online by Michael Port called Book Yourself Solid. And it was basically mm. teaching service-based businesses how to get more clients. So that was like the starting place. Okay, I'm gonna get a book on how to get more clients. Then I used my meditation practice to get in a peak mental and emotional state every morning so that I could implement what it is that I was learning. Then I took the main points in the book and I translated them into affirmations that clarified what I was committed to, why it was a must for me, and what I was going to do. Then I visualized, AKA mentally rehearsed myself doing the things that I had just affirmed that would get me where I wanted to go. And then I used my journaling process, practice, right? Every day to look at my to-do list. And instead of doing the easy things, the busy work, which too many of us are guilty of doing, I went, okay, what's the number one thing on my list every day that I need to do that's gonna move the needle and get me clients? So it was literally stacking all six of the practices. And the exercise, of course, just gave me some you know, energy and get, got me in shape and all that. But it was stacking the practices and sequencing them together that enabled me to you know, implement what I was learning in the book every single day, take action, generate motivation, generate energy. And then I got the results that I wanted. Yeah. And then I'm going to fast forward to another time in your life where you were having some troubles, the 2019, 2020, maybe it was, mm -hmm. uh, where you were having trouble sleeping. You were yeah. sleeping only two, three hours a night. Do you know why you were sleeping so, so few hours? Um, my guess is because of chemotherapy. Um, but, but I'm not, you know, chemotherapy, it's something that they call it chemo brain, where it's basically chemotherapy is poison. And it is poisoning your body. And one of my on, 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 an oncology nurse told me this. I said this earlier. It actually came from her. She said, "Hal, I'm going to be straight with you." She like kind of looked you know side to side and leaned in. She's like, "Look," she's like, "Chemotherapy is poison. Okay, it's killing you right now. It is killing you." And I was literally you know hooked up to chemo right then. I'm like, "Okay, this is yeah." I'm like, "I already know this, but it's not really encouraging." She said, "And and 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 let's be honest. 
the goal is that the chemotherapy kills the cancer before it kills you. And then we can get your body, you know, build you back up so that you can live a life, like a normal life. It's a very good explanation of chemo, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's killing the cancer and it's killing your body. It's killing every part of you, right? You're, you can't kill the cancer without killing your body. It's killing you. Um, but the idea is that you're gonna hopefully, hopefully live. Um, and I forgot, what was your question? Uh, now, <laughs> you're asking an old man now. So, uh, uh, oh, I was, I was asking about um, your sleep habits. Like oh, this oh was- yeah. So, um, so yeah, they call it chemo brain, which that, that phrase, it bothers me because of how dismissive my doctors were. They go, oh, that's just chemo brain. Like it's this cute phrase. I go, why don't you say what it is? My brain is being poisoned and now I can't function the way that I used to. After three years of chemotherapy, um, my cognitive abilities declined significantly um, to where I feel like my IQ dropped 30 points and I, I feel like I was not myself anymore. And you I should have tested it before and after. I know. I, know, I, know, I should have. I know yeah. that wasn't like highest on your priority list, but that, that would have been, been fascinating. fascinating data point for sure. <laughs> but I went from being I, never in my life have I experienced anxiety. I didn't even know what it felt like. I I developed such extraordinary anxiety, um, and and then I that led to depression. And I think that so the chemotherapy I think caused you know the anxiety, the depression, my because co- it was it was all this vicious cycle where because my cognitive abilities were there, I I, I I was nervous to talk to people. I couldn't have normal conversations anymore, and that made me anxious. Then the anxiety caused depression, and they, like it was this vicious cycle. Of, and and I was depressed that I could that I, my brain felt. Like like it was not mine anymore. And so I started sleeping two to four hours a night was my average sleep. And if you ever slept two hours in a night, you're a mess the next day. Compound that over four, five, six months of sleeping two to four hours every single night. I was hallucinating. I was, I mean, I was not, I lost my mind and I was suicidal. I wanted to kill myself. Yeah, yeah, I, you, I saw in the book, you, you mentioned you wrote to Ursula one morning and said you wanted to die. You couldn't take it anymore. What was going on in the, like you're responsible for a big, you know, so, yep. social media community around the Miracle Morning. Like what was going on then? How are you were kind of presenting yourself to the group? Yeah, so I, I'm usually, I have no problem being vulnerable typically, but the thing was I did have a problem being vulnerable at that time because I was such a mess that I, I couldn't even think straight. So I was like, in, I was like, I was like embodiment of fear. I was afraid of everything. I was scared to get on calls with people that I had known for 20 years. I was scared. And I ended up, that was the year that the Miracle Morning movie was supposed to come out. And so I ended up um, letting my team go because I couldn't manage them. I couldn't, I would, I would, I would get on calls and be shaking. I was so scared to talk to these people that loved me and that I knew. I was an absolute mess. And so I just did the, but I had to record a podcast every single week. I had to record the Achieve Your Goals podcast. And so I just did the best I could with, you know, with, with, with who I was. And, and I will tell you that, you know, 2020, when that happened and I asked myself, okay, I am, you know, as a leader of the Miracle Morning community and, and my podcast listeners, what should I be focusing on right now? Because there was so much thrown at us that was out of our control, right? The, the pandemic and the, you know, the economy and the this and the that. And, um, and what I realized is that when we focus on that, which is out of our control, and this is true across all aspects of life, when we focus on that, which is out of our control, we feel out of control. 
and feeling out of control leads to anxiety and stress and depression and so on and so forth. And so I will say that I did double down on a miracle morning that year, which is part of what helped me get through the sleeplessness as well, is I realized, okay, I can't control COVID and the economy and all this crazy stuff in the world. I can only control showing up at my best every single day for myself, for those I love, and for those I lead. And that's all I'm going to do. And that's what I encourage my listeners and the Miracle Morning community. I go, guys, look, I know you're scared of this. You're scared of that. You're worried about this. Those things are out of our control. All you can control is double down on your Miracle Morning so that you can show up at your best for those you lead, those you love, and for yourself. And so that's what I did and that's what our community did. And I've there are a lot of testimonials of people saying like that got them through the most difficult time in their life. Well, and also you, this also resulted in the chapter in this expanded edition, The Miracle Evening, which helped you improve your, I'll let people read that. I've done several podcasts about sleep, but as you mentioned in The Miracle Evening, having a a ritual that helps you sleep healthfully is so important. Like they say, if if you sleep six hours or less for three days in a row, you'll have you won't have Alzheimer's, but you'll have symptoms almost similar to like Alzheimer's mm. or, or dementia. Just three days of six, six hours, hours or, sleep less. or less. Wow. Yeah. 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 That's why I wrote that chapter is because I, you know, and I, I started in that chapter about telling my sleep, you know, deprivation, um, chronic insomnia story. And it's like, I, because since then I, I've started asking my audiences when I, when I give keynotes and I speak, I say, how many of you struggle with sleep, either falling asleep or staying asleep? You know, James, it's it's over half on average. It's it's half or more of the audience. And I realize what a huge problem it is. And I think, you know, part of my 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 one of my abilities, if you will, is to t- to really communicate information in a way that 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 resonates with people and that is so simple because I'm not an intellectual. Like I'm not someone that has a wildly expansive vocabulary and can talk over your head. Like I really need to simplify things to make sense for me. And so as an author, I'm able to do that for other people. And so it's similar to how the Miracle Morning has enabled millions of people that never thought they could become a morning person, right? I mean, we've surveyed our audience. It's 72% of Miracle Morning practitioners say they never in their life were a morning person nor believed they could become one. And now they read the book and it completely changed that for them. And so my hope is that this, this you know 22 page sleep or miracle evening chapter will do the same for people for sleep is I'm telling you, these are the simplest, most specific, straightforward step-by-step practices in the evening that I use to overcome you know six months of chronic insomnia um, so I could get a good night's sleep. And I hope it'll work for people as well. So- I, and I love that you added the Miracle Evening to your expanded book, uh, The Miracle Morning. And and again, it's been 10 years since, you know, The Miracle Morning first came out, millions of copies sold. You've help, helped so many people, including me. Like, I love this book. And it's it's one of the few self-help books I think are legit and I really enjoy reading and I, I love the ideas behind it. And I, I feel it overlapped a lot with just my instincts on what a good morning should be. And it really put to words a, a lot of things. Mm. Uh, and I, and, but let, I want to talk about your, the business of the miracle morning for a second. I also love how you kind of franchise the concept, you know, like, let me read some of the chapter titles. Uh, you, you know, you, you had other authors essentially write, you know, the miracle morning for couples, the miracle morning for entrepreneurs, the miracle morning for parents, uh, the Miracle Morning for college students. 
the Miracle Morning for Writers, which I wrote the forward to. That's Steve right. Scott uh, wrote wrote the book, or you and Steve Scott wrote the book. And you've done a really good job just building this business and brand and franchise of, of the Miracle Morning. How's it going? <laughs> Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's going really well. And I want to give credit where credit is due. Early on when I had the idea for the book series, I met a woman named Honoré Corder. I, I remember you that. You know yeah, Honoré. Um, you yeah. met Honoré. And uh, Honoré, uh, she had created a book series called the Successful Single Mom Book Series. And now she is one of the most prolific um, authors on teaching authors how to become authors, how to sell a lot of books. That's kind of her niche now because she's done so well. She's written like 40 books. And so I hired her to help me develop the Miracle Morning series. And so she helped me figure out how to create this, you know, this book series, if you will. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and so the Miracle Morning you know, one of the things, I've had a lot of authors that have seen me give, I give a speech occasionally, I give it at Genius Network and I've given it a couple times. It's called Beyond the Bestseller. How to write a book that creates a movement, earns you a fortune and changes the world. And it's based on the premise that many authors are chasing a bestseller list, but that actually doesn't give you what you really want, which is impact and income, like lasting impact and lasting income. I think if any author's honest, that's what they want. We think we want to get on a bestseller list because that'll give us what we want, but it doesn't. There's a lot of best-selling authors that if sure. you look at their their book on Amazon, it's ranked you know six hundred and fifty thousand on the bestsellers on Amazon. Like it, it falls into obscurity, even though it was a what do they call that a flash in the pan where it hit the bestseller list. So I, I talk about how do you write a book that really sustains, if you will, becomes a perennial bestseller. And when I give that speech. Um, I show a graph that shows how long it took for me for the Miracle Morning to take off. And it wasn't an overnight success. It took 18 months of sustained promotion. I had been on over, uh, I think, 200 podcast interviews in those 18 months, done TV interviews. Like I, every, my whole life revolved around this Miracle Morning concept. And then it finally took off. And I have so many authors that go, man, you promoted for 18 months before you even got any traction. And now it's sold millions of copies. They go, if I would have promoted my book for, I only promoted it for three months and then I got bored or then I changed my mind or then I did something else or then I, right? And so my point is this, my I believe the Miracle Morning is the most, of anything I've ever created in my life, it's made the biggest impact for people, the most profound impact for people. So it, it is my life's work. So now the Miracle Morning book series, the Miracle Morning movie, the Miracle Morning app, which, I mean, that that alone, now, you know, tens of thousands of people use the Miracle Morning app every day, and it's got 2,000 five-star reviews in the app store. Like, people love that. But the point is, it got really clear that this is my life's work. So every shiny object, every f awesome financial opportunity, it's only a yes if it's in alignment with my mission to share the miracle morning with more people, because 2 million people have read the book, 8 billion people are still waiting for me to find a way to, to share, share it with them. You should make a book like the miracle movement and write about the process of that talk, mm. basically the concepts of that talk, because that's incredibly valuable. Like I thought about this a lot, this concept a lot when I was after I wrote the book, choose yourself. And it received a lot of coverage and recognition and A, you're totally right. Like that's the most successful book I've ever written. And it was, it's directly correlated to how much work I put into pr promoting it after the book. And even before the book came out, I was writing a lot about the concepts. I was basically promoting a lot before I even wrote the book, wrote the book. And then I was on podcast for years talking about it. And that's directly correlated to 
the success of it. But but I never I thought about some of these ideas that you're talking about, but I, I ultimately it was it wasn't the right thing for me. And um, but I really admire how how you did it with the Miracle Morning. You've done such a good job. Like you've you've you built you hired community leaders for the community, and you did this Miracle Morning series, which again I'm I'm glad I was a tiny bit a <laughs> participant in, and uh, really grateful for your how, and really grateful you came on the show. And I'm I'm so glad you wrote this expanded edition because it allows me to recommend the Miracle Morning a second time. <laughs> and uh, and again to people listening, I've literally. Instead of giving my own book, I gave this book to my <laughs> kids to read when they were going through different periods mm -hmm. in, in their lives. And and it's a valuable book. I encourage people to read it and and try the 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 practices described and and you know all the suggestions. There's no there's no one size fits all, which Hal definitely stresses in the book and stressed in this podcast. So you could there's lots of different ways to try these ideas. Really great, Hal. And and look, I hope. I hope we could one day interact again in person instead of just on a on a podcast. I really enjoy spending time with you and and as always, thanks once again. Yeah, James, I feel the same, man. You're one of my favorite people, one of the most enjoyable people to talk to. And uh, we definitely need to do it in person, not just on uh, on Zoom or virtually. Yeah, definitely. Thanks. I'm Cindy Lauper. My psoriasis was all over, even on my scalp, which may mean four times the risk for psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix works on both. Cosentix secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis 300 milligram dose and adults with active psoriatic arthritis 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or one 844 Cosentix. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.